in the crease. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of the Creasecast. Um, this is the the new the newly rebranded Creasecast, I should say. This is a this is the, uh, this is this formerly LITC Radio. Um, I finally got around to changing the name. For any of you who aren't uh, patrons or on uh, part of my Patreon. Um, I decided I wanted to change the name of the show so to something a little bit different. So we're going with the Crease Cast from here on out. This is the first ever episode of the show in its new form. Thanks to uh, Sarah Burfoot, a good friend of mine, to, for uh, making the new Crease Cast intro for the show that you're going to hear uh, that you just heard. Um, and it's and I'm I'm really excited about this new direction because especially because you know this is the replacement this is the successor to the the Sunday Crease column I used to do um, we're doing it every Sunday uh, and I wanted to you know kind of bring that as well as to try and you know pick a uh, pick a new name that's a a more catchy than. LITC Radio, which nobody understands unless you've already listened to this before. And also, I wanted to pick something that's not entirely, like, Canucky, because, you know, you know, you, you want to open up the... the, as the while well, this is a Canucks show, at its heart, I wanted to make sure this we weren't just focusing solely on the Canucks. There, it was important that we get a little bit... We get a, we go everywhere with the show. This There's more to the... There's more to hockey than just what's going on in, uh, in Vancouver. So, you know, welcome... So let me re-welcome you to the crease cast i am lachlan lock in the crease urban uh this is a show mostly about the canucks but also about other hockey topics and uh other and uh, other nerdy nerdy crap and that's that's what we get that's what we get up to in this show and uh i hope you and i hope you enjoy what we're doing i'm getting i feel like i'm getting better um i actually don't i don't usually listen to the show after because i hate listen because you know how you are you you don't like nobody likes listening to their their voice when it's recorded. There's no, no one in the world loves that. Um, and, but I recently went back on the last few episodes. I actually did go back and tried to listen to as much of the episode as I could because, you know, it, I cringe whenever I hear myself. Uh, and I noticed I'm doing, I noticed some of my, uh, my nervous tics that I have. Uh, I'm going to try and kill those as much as I possibly can in this episode and all the, and all the further ones. So hopefully I, I get some of those out of my system. Um, what also needs to be get, what also we need to get out of, uh, what, um, there, there's a lot of other things that I, I'm working on as I try and get better at doing the show, uh, and uh, a lot of that is due to the classes I've been taking. I've been doing some podcast classes and stuff. So I think I'm getting better at the, I'm getting better at talking to a mic, which is not easy. Um, what's also not easy is the month of November when you're the Canucks. I think that was pretty good, a uh, pretty good uh, slide into the next, into the first topic of the day. And then I ruined it by talking about it. The Canucks uh, lost to the Devils today, uh, two to one. And uh, I, I said, I talked about this on Twitter and I, I feel like every time I watch the I watch the Canucks play the Devils. The game always turns out in one of two ways. Either A, it's the most boring game I've ever watched and it like puts me to sleep. And and it and I get I come close to falling asleep when I watch that I swear to God, every time, especially the ones in New Jersey. I don't know why those ones are so boring. Um and then either that or they're just like completely like aggravating. Like there's just like Everything seems to be either like the refs seem to be screwing up a bunch or the just something goes wrong. It's either just like the most aggravating game of the season and just like it like low scoring and boring or you're just like you're and you're just falling asleep while you're watching. I feel like this happens every time they play the Devils and I feel like that's that's how it goes like with, with them more than any other team the Canucks play every season. If you disagree, please tell me. I think that's that's just me. That's just me. But I mean, 2 to 1 kind of proves my point there. The uh it was another Mackenzie Blackwood show. Um what is it about Mackenzie Blackwood that he just has such a great he loves playing the Canucks. I mean, he must he he must have the easiest time getting up for these games uh more than anyone else on either team. Like he just looks and then he's like yes set win right here this is going to be my big night um and i i don't and i don't know what it is about his goaltending that makes him specifically such a such a uh, such kryptonite for the Canucks. Um, I mean, the he's a bigger goalie, plays a little bit farther out of the crease. I don't know. 
whether that how much that factors in though i mean today he did take a bit of a stinger i think on the hand and then they started firing at that glove at that glove hand over and over again he just started picking him out of the air like you know oh you're actually making his hand tougher again like that he <laughs> what doesn't kill what doesn't kill mackenzie blackwood only makes him stronger apparently he's just like he's robocop pretty much and you and the canucks just couldn't seem to f- to solve him other than the bro- the one Brock Besser shot just ripping up the wing like uh, a lot of people har- said it harkened back to his uh, rookie to his rookie season when he was just teeing up pucks from the far side and like beating beating goalies and I think that's I think that's pretty fair but what was really funny is the celebration it was kind of just like this look of oh my god thank god we beat this guy like it it was more like he wasn't even all that excited for and what was a pretty darn nice goal. He, he, it's hard to do that when you're already losing to nothing in a game that you've been pretty pretty good in. It, it, you feel like it's just kind of like all for naught. Uh, he, Be- Besser looked great. He had a good night. Uh, the Canucks tried to get some momentum in the later stage of the period, and they looked good, especially at the end of the game. It just didn't, they just couldn't translate into goals, and that's been kind of their issue over the last few games, the last few games. Um... And uh, I will. I would like to quickly read out a stat, uh, just uh, that I, I saw on Twitter, and uh, I think one of the Athletes posted about it. How the Canucks, the Canucks point share percentage in October this year was seventy percent, and generally, and over the last five seasons, they have finished with fifty percent or higher in win share. So they've either had a complete, had a perfect split of games or one more than their, than the point share percentage they were able to. And then in November, it always takes a huge dip. Uh, last, last season, they, last season, they had a 57.1% of their points pos- out of all the possible points. And this, and, uh, then when they went into November, it dropped all the way down to 32.1. Uh, the Canucks so far have, let's see, they have, uh, five points out of a possible, 12 if i'm looking at that if i'm reading that correctly it's been november always seems to kill the canucks and which isn't good uh but this is a team that can work out of it which is why it's almost more concerning that they're still having this problem in going in coming into a month where you know lots of where sometimes it can make or break your season november is weirdly that weird month where apparently you need to be in the playoff hunt to make the playoffs already, which doesn't make, which when you think about it, doesn't make much sense. I mean, they haven't played that many games so far, but yeah, it can really mess your season up. If you are not already in a playoff position by the end of November, you are going to have a hard time building, building back into it unless your name is the St. Louis Blues. So overall, I mean, they're, they're, they're looking better. This is the the good thing. At least with the losses, there there was the Chicago there was the Chicago game. First of all, that loss was bad. That was the worst game the Canucks played all year. The first period was the worst period they'd played all year. I mean, they came out flat. They looked they looked just god awful. They made some noise in like the later stages, but it was just too late by that point. Um, and it it was it was it was a bitter pill to swallow. Then you go into Winnipeg, only score one goal. They had they had their opportunities and just couldn't get and just couldn't get anything done. They couldn't get anything going the way they would have liked. And um, and then there's this game against New Jersey. New Jersey had them kind of got the luck. A few a few bounces went their way. Uh, they had the two nothing lead going into the second period, and that was enough. And that was enough. Mackenzie Blackwood just. Uh, pulled out some mat, some Blackwood magic, and uh, and and finished it off. And you, like, there's room for optimism, of course. I mean, again, they built up such a good lead in points that it's not a complete that they're not that going on this little ru- sp- spell where they have only won a single game so far in the month of November ha- isn't enough to just sink them, which is huge. It, 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 go, it can go a long way, but the real if this Canucks team is as good as we believe they can be and we've seen them be this season, they, can, they need to be able to build back from that and they need to be able to find a way, especially on this homestand, to kind of pick up a few wins. Like you've got Nashville on Tuesday, Dallas on Thursday, 
Colorado first flying skate game of the season. Colorado, I think, is actually is is the game I think that could be a real statement game for the Canucks. And I don't want to talk too much about that game yet, just because it's still got a lot. We still got a ways to go. There's still two games in between that. But I will say this. I think the Avalanche game is the first uh, game this season where I look at it and I'm like, okay, this is a game that if the Canucks can find a way to put up a convincing win or at least a good battle, you know, that could go a long way and that could build a lot of confidence in this group for this group, even with the losses that have kind of piled up in November. Um, the lines, the, the, the scoring has dried up a little bit, especially the secondary scoring, which you kind of, which you kind of knew was coming. Like, it, I, I don't want to say I, I don't want to say I predicted this, but they were definitely scoring at a higher rate than I think anybody of any of us expected. And then it dried up and it's kind of like, well, okay, that, that seems that seems fair, but also it's but also it's too bad because I mean they were doing so well and you wonder what changes are teams playing them differently? Are they just having are the pucks just not bouncing the way they'd like? Are why what what changed from last month to this month? Are they maybe they're exerting themselves? Maybe they exerted themselves a little too much in October and they 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 ran out of steam coming into this month, which isn't what you want to hear, especially so early in the season. But either way, I mean I I I hope they can find. A way to turn things around, especially guys like Brandon Sutter, who has shown that he can score when healthy. He is effective, and I'm a guy who, who went, who I think at the beginning of the season would have, uh, at the beginning of the season, I would have told you I think Brandon Sutter should be an odd man out. I think he should be a scratch here. I think they could do better. But I, he, he made very, uh, whether or not he heard me, I'm guessing he didn't. He, but he still proved me very, very wrong, and that's good, and that's great, and I. I liked the way he was working on that third line. I liked the the offensive abilities that group was putting up. So especially especially when they had that rotating on the right wing. I mean, sometimes it's Vertanen, sometimes you get Levo, sometimes it's even Gaudet playing at center with Sutter on the wing, which I like the best. But that that can't always go. And I think and I think I want to see more of what. I think Sutter has that ability to be the third line that the Canucks desperately, the third line offensive uh, talent the Canucks desperately need because, I mean, you can't win championships and you can't win in the playoffs without secondary scoring and hopefully they're able to get their game back on track sooner rather than later. Um, uh, Louis Erickson was back out of the lineup today after um, after uh, a pretty lackluster uh, performance against Winnipeg on Friday. He didn't look very good. Sven Berchi, uh moved up to that second line, which, by the way, I should probably I should probably preface by saying Sven Berchi came back. He came back. He was called back up. A few uh, injuries, I believe, uh, triggered that. I'm trying to remember who it was that got hurt, or if it was anyone. Oh. Tyler Mott, that's who it was, and and I mean Berchi's a guy who shouldn't have been, who shouldn't have been, who I don't think should have been demoted in the first place. But now there's a bit of, now is where the 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 I mean Mike oh and Michael Furland of course you you there's a bit of a risk now because I'm just kind of like trying to draw this up as I'm like looking at the the roster from today and just trying to think about it. So here's the big thing: when Sven Berchi was dropped. Uh, in, was went on waivers at the beginning of the season. Nobody knew. Nobody in the NHL knew what they had. Nobody. Generally speaking, it's. I mean, I think a lot of people would tell you that it's easiest to get guys through waivers at the beginning of the season because nobody, unless you've got a guy who's like crazy good, crazy young guy who absolutely shouldn't be getting dropped to the minors, who's a bona fide like great player. You know, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to, it's going to be, not many teams are going to make that claim just because they don't know what they have in their own players yet. And they don't want to drop somebody from their own team to make, to, to pick someone up. Right. So, I mean, but even at the, but even then, uh, the fact that Sven Berchi made it through, I would say was, is a shock to me. Now it's different. Now is very different. Teams know exactly what they have on their, specifically with the, the, the players on their back end and what they can do. And there are some teams out there that I guarantee you are absolutely itching for some secondary scoring like the Canucks have been, but even more dire, but an even more dire uh, situation. And I think, and now, now is where it gets concerning because I think there is a very good chance 
that if you drop Sven Berchi back down, try and send Sven Berchi back through waivers to Utica, if that is how it works, and I believe that's how it works. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong here. But if he has to go through waivers, there's a very good chance uh, he's not going to make it through this time. He will not make it through this time. Like, I can already tell you right off the bat, the Sharks are a team that would absolutely love Sven Berchi if they can afford him. They would just have to, like, I think the I think the chances of him passing through waivers now when teams know exactly what Sven Berchi can do, especially after he was just ripping it up in the minors and with Utica, Utica just destroying teams left and right. I think there is a, I think that the odds of him making it back through waivers are extremely low. And that's a risk the Canucks need to, need to understand, especially this time around. I mean, they needed to understand it before, but now I think the chances of him making it back through to Utica are close to zip, are close to zip. So you gotta really decide here if you wanna keep Sven Berchi. And I think the Canucks are better with Sven Berchi than they are without him. And I don't want him to, to get, I don't want a team like the Sharks or the Oilers or some other team uh, that's having a rough go grab him grab him through waivers because that would be that would be a travesty especially because because I think he's better than some of the guys who they have out like Tyler Mott I think I think Sven Berchi is a better is a better player for this group than Tyler Mott is as much as hard as Tyler Mott works um I think he brings more I think Berchi brings more offensive upside I think he can score and I think he's decent defensively which is something that apparently got him dropped down and I'm like thinking that doesn't make much sense to me um I think the Canucks need to really look into this. Look and keep really, really think about not sending down Sven Berchi this next time and try and find another place to make a change. And I know Jim Benning has apparently been looking into some stuff right now. I think there is a lot of guys on the chopping block because, I mean, I mean, I always forget. This is the big thing. I always forget Antoine Roussel is here because he hasn't played all season. He's been hurt. Um... I want. I, I don't know what his status is right now, uh, but you know, if if I'm taking the Canucks at their word, he's supposed to come back at some point this year, and you know, obviously Furland also supposed to come back. What do you do? You're not gonna. Obviously Furland's gonna stay. Obviously Furland's staying. Obviously uh, Roussel may probably is gonna stay, but uh, uh, but probably gonna stay. But I mean, hey, if the Canucks have been keep doing as well as they're doing, that might go out. The, that might thinking might go out the window. I mean, they're. There really, is, there really is a logjam of forwards, and you really have to think. And you really have to think about, you know, somebody's gonna go. Somebody's gotta go when the the healthy guy when the healthy guys return. When you have Mott and Furland and uh, and and uh, Roussel back at whatever point that is, and you know, there's already guys like Erickson sitting out, and you know, Berchi is a wild card, and I and unless the Canucks can make some moves. Somebody's gonna get dropped, and somebody is some, and they have to think about who that's gonna be. I think if I'm the Canucks, I mean, you, if, depending on when when everything go when everything's when everybody starts coming back and getting healthy, I mean, the first guy that I think comes to mind really for me is Tyler Mott, just because I don't think I think if you drop him uh, to Utica, I don't think he does get claimed. I think he got, passes right through. Um, and I think you have to think, and uh, there's some hard decisions. There's some, they're going to have to make a, if they want to make a trade, it's probably not going to be a good one because player, because they're helping the, because uh, the GM, the other GMs are going to know we're helping you guys out. You're going to take, you're going to have to take what we like and you're going to have to take exactly what we like and you're going to have to deal with it. So they got to really think hard about this. They might have to make a tough cut or somebody like make a trade for somebody, trade off somebody a little bit off the radar just to make just to just depending on what's going on i think i think you i hopefully they look and say okay we're going to keep these younger guys because they have a better a brighter future here than some of our other players but i mean hey if if they think bear chi is worth trying to send back down to waivers ooh, you better hope you you better know you're making the right decision you can't be guessing on it that's that's really the big thing as long as if they know they're making the right choice here that makes it a lot easier to stomach and frank but you know again i love bear chi and i think he 
adds a lot to the to the scoring scoring upside, especially after we watched the first two games. And I, I still get flashbacks, nightmares even, to those first two games of the season where the Canucks just looked atrocious and couldn't, and on, on offense, and couldn't put a puck in the net to save their life. And, you know, I don't want that to come back. So... Really think long and all I'm asking is literally think long and hard about what you do with Sven Berchi after this, especially because I think he has been better than a couple of the other guys already in this in his short uh, return. Uh, and today he today he I mean today he played with Bo Horvat, even though although that didn't did go out the window relatively quickly after the after the first period because the uh, the line blender came out and nothing was just going right. I mean at one point I think Bo Horvat was playing with. Uh, was playing with uh, Tim Schaller and Adam Gaudet, which is an interesting uh, combo, to say the least. Um, uh, I don't know what's what's up with that snake-bitten uh, Horvat combo. Horvat's a guy who makes the players around him better, but for some reason, he can never... They can just never get extended success with a guy. I mean, Tanner Pearson is the closest they've come, and he's had good runs this year, especially with Bo Horvat. But... In some reason, they always have to eventually pull the plug. I don't think that's Bo Hor. I, I don't think that's on Bo Horvat. I think that's more or less just they don't have the guy. They just they just don't have uh, the bona fide goal scorer that they or the bona fide goal scorer for his line that they need. Uh, a lot of people wanted J T. Miller there at the beginning of the season, but I, again, I always felt Miller was best set up with Elias and with uh, Pedersen and Besser. Um, and I'm glad he's playing there now because that line has been dynamite all year. Um, he did Miller did have a run with Horvat, I think, today during this game as well, just to try and get uh, some offense going. Horvat's a guy who's been a little streaky this year, but when he's on, he's on. And he's just uh, ripping points left and right. I mean, he had a hat trick in that one game, slump buster game against Detroit. Um, and I like the I like the idea of where they went today, where they had him starting up with uh, Josh Levo, because uh, I think again, I think that's I think that's a group that complements them each other really well. I like the idea of Horvat playing with like a Levo or a Pearson or a Berchi on that left side. I think it works well. Uh, but you know, I think here, I think I think there is room to consider. You know, okay, what is it going to cost to maybe pick up somebody a little bit more bona fide as a goal, as a sniper for the wing, particularly on the right? I think the right is maybe the weaker point right now. I think you look at maybe somebody who's not not who's somebody who can sit behind Besser on that depth chart and is going to just rip points in pat for you. Uh, Michael Furland was supposed to be that guy. It hasn't worked out there. It hasn't worked out there. Um, and that's concerning, but we're not going to talk about that today. Um, I wonder who who's available right now. It's probably going to be somebody. Uh, somebody. It's got to be somebody big. Uh, it, well, not big. It's got to be somebody who's probably uh, on an expiring deal, or if the Canucks, or if the Canucks are, are in a better situation, I would maybe not look at a rental. Try and find somebody with some term. Um, maybe you look at a team like Columbus and see what you can get uh, for. Uh, a couple for a couple. Uh, they have some guys who can still score down there. I don't know what they're planning with that group yet. Um, I'm just trying to go through and see what I can think of of some teams that might be looking to make a to to take some guys off. Uh, again, it comes down to cap space. Obviously, if the Canucks don't have the cap room and they've got to move somebody, boy, that Erickson contract is really an anchor. Um, you you have to. I mean, money is always the is always a thing, but I think the Canucks should are going to look long and hard on trying to find somebody who can score. Like I look at Columbus as a team, you know, they're not doing well. I don't think anybody expected them to do well and they need, but they need to go. They need to, they're rebuilding. They're in the middle of a rebuild essentially right now because they went all in last year, which was great for the, which was great for them. Uh, but I think maybe they're going to look at offloading some of the older, some of the older veterans, maybe somebody who can score on that left side. Like maybe honestly, a guy like um, I'm looking right now at like the idea of, Gustav Nyquist is a guy who I really like for the Canucks. He's 30. That is a concern. And he's on the first year of a four-year deal, which is a little bit of a, you know, that's a question for sure. But I like the idea of Nyquist playing on that right side with Horvat and whoever they can 
whoever they're filling on, having fill in on the left. Or and or maybe if you even want to like look at say you don't say if the Canucks really are that are that sold on. Okay, we're not going to keep Sven Berchi. We don't want Tanner Pearson's all right, but we can we think we can upgrade here. You can throw Nyquist on the left side, and you can maybe put in a Josh Levo or um you can or even Michael Furland when he returns. I think there is. There is ways to make something like that work, and I think Nyquist would be a good pick, would be a good place to look if I'm the Canucks because he's got a, he's got term, which is which is worried. But maybe if you can maybe if you can find maybe if the Blue Jackets are willing to be like, all right, we'll take on, uh, we'll take on the we'll take on Erickson's contract. But the one the one question, of course, is, the one thing is, of course, they would have to throw in a, a pretty hefty round for like draft pick or a prospect, and that's not maybe not something the Canucks want to do you gotta there's a lot there's a lot there i'm not here to 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 totally play armchair gm because you know i'm just kind of thinking of this up on the fly right now maybe maybe for the next episode i will plan a better armchair gm segment and we'll look at some players that can maybe uh give bo horvat a real upgrade on his wing because oh because i really i just want to see him with somebody solid for the next so many years and that's the the thing that really concerns me about uh about the captain he's just doesn't have the running mates who are i would say who are not not a superstar but somebody who is like a bona fide top six guy top five top six guy that's the the biggest concern from there the biggest concern on defense right now is the fact that they're uh the injuries are coming in the injuries are piling up a little bit um there was ashton sautner the other night uh who got hurt um quinn hughes was briefly injured thankfully made his return against the blues uh has looked all right since but you know the the team itself just hasn't been playing at its best so i wouldn't say that's necessarily quinn hughes and he had a and he had a point tonight so he's doing all right he's doing all right uh the big thing is chris tanev chris tanev is i'm pretty sure uh an android part android at this point or terminator i think he's i think he might be a terminator guys uh chris tanev is you know he got hurt in the game against chicago with an upper body injury mysterious uh, no, I don't think, um, I'm not sure exactly what the play was, but yeah, he did not return to that game. Friday night, he he's back in the lineup. He plays again um, and then blocks a Patrick Line shot and gets, and gets, and is just hobbling to the bench at this point. That guy is a walking disaster, but we love him. I mean, he is, I can't tell if he is completely if he is completely able to break or if he is indestructible. Like, you you can't tell. Like, you just can't. If he's destructible or indestructible, nobody knows because he can, because he's always hurt, but also always playing through it. And you you wonder, like, what a what a rest would do for Chris Tanev or maybe some just some bubble wrap, some bubble wrap on his equipment because, oh, man, does he take a beating every single year. Um, he played to, he played again today. I, I worry about, <laughs> I worry about Chris Tanev. How you doing, buddy? Um, I think there's a, I think he's been doing, I think he's been doing well. I think there, there's been a couple, he's looked a little slower this season for sure. And he's had his off nights. Uh, I, I like I, the Hughes and Tanev pairing was something I had questions about early on in the season. And I think they've done pretty well in the stretch since, um, it's it. You just worry. You just worry about Tanev's health and how long he can he can go, because he's a great. He his his uh, defensive game has taken a little bit of a dip, but even then, he's still the Canucks' best defensive defenseman by a long shot. Uh, Jordy Ben is quite good on in his own in his own right, and we'll get to him. Uh, but um, I believe I think with Tanev. You know he's doing his best, and the the injuries. You gotta hope that he, you you might just want to start throwing some metal on there. You might just want to be like, okay, we're gonna give you robot legs, robot arms. Yes, I've checked with the union. This is totally legal. What? This is not steroids. Like I think this is where you need to go with Kristanov at this point. Just make him a Terminator, and then he'll never get hurt again. You know that's I think that's the real that's really what they need to do with Kristanov. Or you know 
just give him a rest. Give him a game off every now and then. That load management might also work with defense. It's I don't know if it's ever really been tried on a regular basis, but with a guy like Chris Tanev, that might be worth looking into. The idea of maybe taking uh, the Kawhi Leonard approach and keep and maybe sit and maybe sitting Tanev every once in a while, not all the time. Just maybe just like for one game, for a game or two, maybe against like a weaker opponent, just be like, okay, we're going to give you the night off here. The, it, your options are wide open. Just either maybe, you know, consider the idea of resting Chris Tanev, get, use the load management approach and try and maybe ease him with a couple f- less, with a few less uh, games each season just to kind of keep him a little bit healthier over the long run or make him into a Terminator. That's, that's Those are really your two only choices here, I think, at this point. Jordy Ben has looked quite good. Uh, I've liked I've liked where he, I think he's, apparently he's doing very well um, on the, uh, on the, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, analytics department. Apparently he's a very good uh, zone entry guy, and he's a guy that really is great with puck possession numbers, which is not something you'd expect from your third pairing uh, at all. Uh, but I guess um, one of the things I think I heard when I was listening to uh, one of the recent postgame shows uh, on Sportsnet 650, where they were talking about how, oh, Jordy Ben learned uh, from, or um, actually, you know what? It might have been the Nux, uh, the the Van cast. I'm sorry, I almost called it the. I almost called it by its uh, not official name anymore. Uh, the Van cast with uh, Jeff Patterson and uh, Thomas Drance. I think they were talking about how uh, when Jordy Ben was in Montreal, he was told by Claude, uh, Claude Julien to just work on putting the puck up to the be- to the best guys because those guys are going to get better scoring opportunities than you are. And I think he and that's something that he guessed that. That got really hammered home for him in Montreal. He's brought it here, and he's done well. And I think that's really benefited him as a guy who who's gonna get a couple extra minutes a night because he's steady in his own end. He's steady in his own end, and he's learned to just all right. We're just gonna work the puck up towards the guys who have the best score and the best shot and the scoring opportunities. We're gonna we're gonna skate it out. We're gonna make a nice pass, and we're gonna make a clean, safe, crisp pass and getting the puck into the and get the puck into the zone. Nothing. Nothing too crazy with these guys. It's not like with Quinn Hughes, where you can give him the puck in his own end and have no problem watching him just skate it all the way into the other team's end. With Ben, it's more of this that, all right, we're going to skate it out over the, get it out over the blue line and then get the pass off to somebody with a better, with the better scoring opportunity. And I think that's really benefited Ben. I liked, I liked the pickup when it happened when, uh, during the season. I've liked him more and more uh, as the season's gone on, I think for sure. Tyler Myers is also a guy who has, um, I wouldn't say he's surprised me entirely. Like, I think even when I said, like, I don't, while I don't love the Tyler Myers contract, I think I always have said, you know, it's not, I'm not worried about Tyler Myers in season, as worried about Tyler Myers in season one or season two. It's going after, it's after that where I worry. And this year he's looked, he's looked good. He's had a couple, when he makes a mistake, it's very noticeable and usually ends up in the back of the net. But thankfully this year, the the, the mistakes have been few, have been few. There haven't been a whole lot of egregious mistakes on Tyler Myers' uh, side. Um, I know he is a guy that I definitely can see gets, uh, when he's up, when he gets mad or somebody uh, uh, gets under his skin, it gets to him, and that, that worries me, but, you know, if that's not something we have to worry about too often. I just think, uh, I just think, as a defenseman, he's done quite well. He's done he's done his job quite well. He hasn't been he hasn't been putting up points, but I don't think anybody expected him to be the point a super big point scoring defenseman anyway. So I'm okay with that, and I think he's done well at least in his own end, which is where I think the Canucks have always needed the most help, and that's fine with me. If he works on the egregious mistakes and kind of reads and works on reading the play, he'll be fine, and I think he'll do well, and I think he could maybe work out he could work out to be a serviceable defenseman for the for this full contract it's just a matter of keeping him adapting to the new play to the play and making keep making sure he doesn't uh his giant legs don't get don't get lost in the play sometimes because he's a tall guy he's a lumbering guy and he can and sometimes that you notice that the the slow the slow speed uh getting back hopefully that doesn't come up too much uh going forward um 
And I would like to talk about just overall going into the 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 ne- this next week, um, what they've got with Nashville coming up, uh, who's been on a bit of who's been on a good run, I think, of late. They're they're always they're a streaky team. Nashville is a team that you always know is going to be quite good, uh, but they can be streaky uh, at points. And I think this is again this is a playoff team. You know, Nashville is always a playoff team, um, and I don't see. Uh, I don't. I don't. I see this as a good test for the Canucks, of course, um, and it's something that they should. It's. Uh, I think they're a team that the Canucks can beat. I think, and that again, that's something. I would. I mean, I would have said that about the last three teams, and that didn't go so well either. But um, there were more things to like about the Canucks game tonight versus the last two in Chicago and Winnipeg, and that can go a long way. Just especially if this team just you know understands that you know. It's not the end of the world when things start going a little bit, going a little bit differently, or start the bounces start going the other way. And I think that's something that the Canucks can benefit from, especially if they go into a game like Nashville and just, and not not crush, but play a good game and just play a good game. I mean, right now the Predators have one game in hand on the Canucks, but they're tied and they're tied in points. Um, so there's a lot to love. There's a lot to like about that about that matchup and what it can do for the Canucks confidence if they're able to put up a good game and maybe and maybe get a couple and maybe get two points out of it. Dallas is another team that's been doing a lot better of late. They're still in a bit of a hole. They still got themselves in a bit of a hole and they're having to work claw their way back out of it. Uh, which takes a lot of effort, but uh, the Canucks can maybe put some uh, put some water on that fire if they come out and play a strong game against them as well. These are two teams that are both were both in the playoffs last year, both um, teams that can make a racket when they get in there. So you, if the Canucks can put up a few good wins, this is this week, and that's what this week is all about for them is they can maybe maybe show the rest of the NHL what they're made of in these next few games uh, at home, especially because of uh, how dominant, aside from today, they've been on home ice. Hey, this could that could go a long way for this group, and that could go a long way for this season uh, as far as the Canucks are concerned. Um, and I think, we, and uh, what else is there? To, what else is there to talk about? Uh, oh, yeah, tomorrow is uh, Remembrance Day. Um uh, Don Cherry made some uh, comments. Um, I don't have them directly in front of me, but essentially Don Cherry said, you people, and made a big thing about how, uh, essentially about um, immigration and uh, immigrants not buying poppies. And not, uh, which... Okay, I I mean I, I I'm gonna talk about this very briefly because it's such a it's 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 crappy. You don't want this is I don't think anybody. First of all, I don't think anybody. You know, I wear a poppy every year. I am somebody who wears a poppy. I'm not I'm not wearing mine right now, but I do have mine uh, sitting right next to me. Um, e. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, you have to put on a poppy, otherwise you're not Canadian or you're not. Uh, or you're not being patriotic, you know, um, but because, you know, I understand, I understand, you know, some, especially, uh, sometimes, especially if you're like, say, somebody who doesn't make, who's, you know, not making a lot of money, I can understand the idea of, uh, as much as I'd love to, do- first of all, as, you know, as much as I'd love to donate, as much as some people would love to donate, one would love to donate, you can't always, sometimes that dollar is, means more to you than getting that poppy just because, you know, you're somebody that can't afford it every day. They can't, that needs to be able to afford their groceries every day or something else. And even if it is a small donation, you know, sometimes you really need that money. And I understand that. Um, and I'm not some, again, I'm not, I'm never going to judge anyone who doesn't have a poppy, um, myself. I'm cause you know, that's, you know, it's your life. You're, you're free to do whatever you want. I enjoy wearing it every year, but I'm not gonna, and I enjoy, I enjoy, uh, the idea of, you know, that we're, uh, respecting, uh, veterans who've gone to war and et cetera. But at the same time, but, uh, at the same time, if you don't feel, as long as you're being respectful and you don't, if you don't want to wear one, that's fine. That's none, no one's business but your own, frankly. And, but Don Cherry making this whole thing about immigration is like, it, it's crap. It's total crap. And it's something that, you know, it's something very, it's xenophobic. It's, a, it's just 
just truly awful. And, you know, I think in a way, just the response that uh, from like company from the company from like Rogers and uh, the NHL, like the NA um, was like the fact that they only gave like two sentences and we're like, well, this doesn't represent our league. It's like, well, you know, you're you're still giving him a platform every week. Every single week, this kind of does, you know, you have to kind of, if you're going to give him that platform, you got to understand that people do think and believe that those are, that you are agreeing with his, with his, with his ideas and those concepts because you're paying him to give them every single week. Um, I think there's got to be a little bit more, uh, his, his, his shtick is old. I mean, I, I find Don Cherry entertaining, but cause he's a, a crazy old man, but also, you know, sometimes you got to make a change and I don't know. I, I don't know whether that should be, I think, I think there's a good chance that that day is coming sooner rather than later and that's a good thing if you want to have somebody loud and crazy on tv you can do that without having a guy spouting this this just ridiculous bull crap about about uh immigrants not buying poppies like you can do that there's people out there who are going to be loud and inflammatory without going over that line without crossing that very, very, very easy not to cross line. And I just think that that's, that that's, it should be, that that would be in everyone's best interest. Maybe thinking about the idea of just maybe giving Don Cherry a lot less airtime than he's already getting or none at all. Just, and give it to somebody new. I don't know what you want to do, but frankly, if you don't, but at the end of the day, you know, if you want to wear a poppy, great. If you can't, if you can't, if you don't want to wear a poppy, that's okay too. Just be, I think as, I think everybody's in agreement that, you know, as long as you're being respectful, um, and you know, and whether or not you want to celebrate, you celebrate Remembrance Day in your own way, that's up to you. And it's completely, and it's well within your, you know, within your rights as a Canadian to do that. And I'm no one, and no one should be able to judge you for it. And, and that's really what this comes down to. And I think a lot of people who, who those pop? I think a lot of people who fought in, in those wars and those, uh, and those and the people who currently work in Canadian military would tell you the same thing. I think they would tell you that that's we fought for your right to be to make those choices on your own, and you know, and nobody's gonna judge you for them. And that's what can because that's what being Canadian is all about. Um, uh, what else was there? There was something else I wanted to talk about that I forgot that I started, I thought about today midway through. Um, uh, another thing just, uh, briefly, uh, was, uh, after the game today, uh, Jacob Markstrom, who, by the way, has been playing lights out of late, just wonderful, just great hockey from him. Um, he announced his, uh, father passed away of, uh, of cancer and that's, it's awful. And it's, you know, it's awful. Um, um, and you you hate to see those sorts of things happen to anybody, especially when you lose a parent. I've no I I'm again knock on wood. I am a I'm a I'm a fortunate person. Um, I would call my I would consider myself a lucky person not to have had had any one of my rel- lost a relative to cancer. Um, I've we've had I've I definitely we my family's had some scares with uh uh my cousin uh with my cousin but no but we've never lost but we're very fortunate never to have lost uh, a family member um and that's not and that's rare today and that's that's rare today lots of people everyone has been touched by cancer including myself and it's never okay it's never. It's never a good. It's never happy. It's never a good occasion when you do, no matter what the case is. It, and my heart goes out to Jacob and all the people, especially because today was Hockey Fights Cancer Day. You know, um, um, I hope everyone, I hope everyone's feeling good. And you know, just um, I best. My heart goes out to everybody who's dealing with this on a regular basis because it it isn't easy. Um, it just it just isn't. It it sucks for absolutely everyone. Uh, cancer is the worst and. And um, hopefully with stuff like Hockey Fights Cancer and with all the other initiatives we do every uh, all over the world, it's uh, it we can work to get that out, to get the eradicate those those diseases soon, sooner rather than later. Um, 
this is a weird segue because this is, I remembered what I was going to talk about because of other controversial stuff. Uh, Drew Doughty. Uh, Drew Doughty uh, came over, uh, made some, uh, some comments regarding uh, the whole... Uh, his comments from his his previous comments from back when he was back when he came, when the when the Canucks thumped the Kings eight to two, um, and and uh, he talked about um, well, he talked about how a team like that shouldn't be beating us uh, shouldn't be beating us like that. And then uh, I think last week or later earlier last week it came out that he was like, oh, they got my words. It was out of con- completely out of context and not what I meant at all. And I guess he tried to play it off as this idea of. Oh, as like, I just meant they're young and they're, you know, and it's like, um, no, you didn't. You meant that they're not as good as you were. You meant the Canucks were not as good as your team. And you tried to make it out to me this whole thing where the Canuck media was totally trying to like twist your words. Well, and it's like, no, we, they have the, they have the video. They have the audio. It's not, it, it, we can clearly hear you trying to say that the Canucks aren't as good as the Kings and shouldn't be beating you guys, uh, in shouldn't be beating you guys. Like you can't, you can't hide from this one and I guess that was also on top of some stuff in Toronto uh, going on but uh, some other comments he made about the Leafs um, but on, it's like I mean I, I guess it's 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 nice that you get a little bit of it's it sucks for him in the sense of you know um, he's kind of the only person who's ever sa- who's saying anything controversial these days so of course you know the spotlight is on him when he does say something like that uh, and that's where a lot of it comes down to is you know the NHL is just full. and I guess this is the whole thing right like there's always those oh the boring like hockey players are boring because of media people twisting them like this and it's like no it's hockey players are just they're just boring because they don't feel like talking about anything. So whenever something do- interesting does happen, that's why it becomes this crazy front page, this crazy news, because nobody else is doing anything remotely interesting. Um, I will say this. The Canucks uh, have done these team like have the uh, have embraced the team like that comment. Now I'm, and right now I'm wearing one of the team like that shirts, the flying skate one they made. Um I got one of those, um, and I love it. I love the way the Canucks have embraced this this thing because it is it's the bunch of jerks. It's the bunch of jerks, but the Canucks version. And I think the Canucks are somebody. I think are a, a franchise that more or less has played it safe over the years when it comes to their marketing and the way they they handle this team. Um, and I think the way they're embracing this team like that. Uh, thing is a is a really good step in the right direction, and I want to talk about that more at length. Just the ideas of like, okay, what are some other ways the Canucks could, you know, kind of embrace this? Not, I don't want to say in your face attitude, but this, yeah, we're good now. Deal with it, sort of thing, because that is that's fun. People like that. People want to get behind that. I think, like for example, the one the example I come back to last season was um, there was the whole uh, when Petter, Pedersen was notorious. Uh, Elias Pettersson was uh, uh, had his death stare last season, where a couple times if a reporter asked him a question that he wasn't a big fan of, you could see the uh, the death stare. You could see the death stare at people, and then it came out that the Canucks were trying to coach him not to do that. And um, I remember saying at the time, I was like, if the Canucks mar- were marketing this team at the best of their abilities, they would be making like shirts with his face on it, just death stare, like a death stare t-shirt. Or they'd be handing out like, they'd go to like the the fans sitting in the in the lower deck behind the behind Jacob Markstrom and just hand them hand all of the players uh, and hand all the 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 fans sitting in that low in that section uh, like little uh, little like Pedersen masks on a stick or something to hold up whenever the opponents were coming into the zone just hold them up just to like distract them and I think that I think the just and I I think the team like that shirts and like that way they're embracing that um that mantra i guess in their marketing is it that's kind of where they're going they're kind of taking that great direction towards being a little more fun because this team is fun even when they even in losses this canucks team is the the most fun group we've seen in such a long time and i love that they went in this direction and they start to and they start making these t-shirts and hopefully they maybe maybe don't overkill the team like that 
per se, but just go 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 more in. Go all go all in with a couple other ideas this year. I don't know what those are yet, but just this idea of you can keep doing fun crazy things like that um in other ways. You it doesn't just have to be team like that. There are other things. Um like one of the uh like uh we talked I, t- I was talking with somebody else with on Twitter this week about uh how uh uh Tyler Myers' nickname is Dunk. Um, and I suggested, oh, like, we should call all his goals Dunkaroos uh, whenever he scores. Whenever he scores, you call it Dunkaroo. Um, um, and I like the idea of, like, hey, maybe the Canucks should be like, we're be like, hey, guess what, guys? Every time, every time Tyler Myers scores, free Dunkaroos for the entire arena from Save On Foods or something like that. You can go, You there, there are fun things like that that you can do that aren't, like, you know, then maybe nobody outside the market's going to notice like the team like that stuff, but that the fans will notice and that people around the city will notice. And it's entertaining. Like I even talked to some people like um, I talked, my parents were visiting this weekend and they don't, they don't watch the Canucks at all, basically at all. They only watched them when I would have the game, when I was living with them, they would only watch it when I had it on, if I had it on already. And even they knew what team like that was. Um, you say, but you don't have to go that far. It can just be stuff that only Vancouverites are enjoying but still have those still have those very fun attitude because that is what I think the best teams do the best marketing groups teams do is find ways to engage the fans not just with the entertainment on the ice but with stuff just like outside the rink and just everyday life just silly things like here I don't know like yeah like like the shotgun Jake stuff I don't know maybe offer maybe offer a deal in the arena when Jake for Tannen scores a goal on some on a drink or something or a beer you can do there's so many ways they can go with the couple with some of these uh with some of these te- with some of these uh ideas or even just like when more ideas pop up just make sure to pounce on them and Again, team like that was a great was a great concept. As long as they don't run it into the ground, I, you know, completely run into the ground. I love it and I love the way that they've embraced it and I think that's I think the best. I think if they keep going with stuff like this, uh the Canucks will really win uh will really win over a lot of people who maybe haven't been as high on the franchise in recent years because of the losses and the the way the t- the team's been run. I think if they keep going Things could really pick up across the city for this team in just in a general sense. And with that, I think we're going to call this an episode because it is getting because it's getting late. Um, thanks for thanks for listening. Uh, if uh, if you enjoy this episode, um, there is always a boat. I do a bonus episode every week only on Patreon for patrons who join the Flying V tier of $3 for $3 every month you get you for $3 a month you get four extra episodes of the podcast that are only available there for those people so if you enjoyed the show make sure to go check that out and maybe consider uh jumping onto the patreon i'm always thinking of new ways to reward patrons myself and i'm hoping i can come up with some better ideas as well uh down the line for maybe like uh other things we can do with the show but yeah i'm but hopefully yeah you if you enjoyed the episode go check that out that is patreon.com slash lock in the crease there will be a link in the description of this episode as well as to my personal website that's lockinthecrease.com where i write articles uh sometimes i do uh other stuff as well like videos and pod and videos and i almost said podcast as if you're not listening to one right now um uh also can also uh go check out my writing for i do writing for other websites like fearthefin.com which is uh where i do some san jose shark stuff every every now and then as well as uh, Daily Hive, where I do some more Canucks features every now and then. That's dailyhive.com slash offside uh, for their sports section. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode, the first, the unofficial first episode of the Crease Cast. I have been locking the Crease. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.